1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoors Podcast. And this Friday breakdown, I got the uh, ginger bow hunter himself, Jacob Myers, in the studio. Jacob, how are you doing?
0: Doing well, dude. It's, it's going to be interesting uh, talking on this episode because we're doing a throwback. A throwback to the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Homan from Alabama. Uh, I guess he's you know technically c- calling from LA, Lower Alabama. Lower Alabama. And yeah. uh, dude, it's going to be a fun episode to kind of break down and talk about. And plus, everything else has been going on because there's been a lot of other interesting stuff popping off
1: yes there has been uh yeah this episode is one of the classics i think i said that in the intro or whatever uh from monday's episode the if you could break down just a list of like five episodes that are like quote unquote southern outdoorsman classics this i think this would be one of them for sure Mm -hmm. i'd say this one uh glenn solomon would be another one episode 116 uh 141 with josh driver definitely another one uh, and then two more. What, what do you think? Probably, tra-
0: I, probably Travis Murray, uh, 210.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 210 or 212.
0: 2, I think 210. it's
1: 210. Ghillie suit ground hunting in uh-huh. Buck's bedroom. Yeah. That's a good title.
0: Yeah. That one. And then let's see another classic, probably Richard Fought. maybe like the 10%.
1: Yeah, the 10%. Oh, or the average. one from last year,
0: the 289 or whatever. Yeah. The calling bucks the right way or whatever.
1: Yeah, that that one got, that's our actually our most downloaded episode now. For a long time, the most downloaded episode was Glenn Solomon, uh, but that one actually passed it. So, interesting. Um, but yeah, no, this is definitely a big classic for us. I think I said a little bit of backstory in the intro we did for Monday's episode, where I, I kind of told a little bit of backstory on Jeff hunting the same place as me, I thought the place was garbage. I was like, there's no bucks here. There ain't no deer, you know? Couldn't even find a doe on the place. I was convinced that the place just totally sucked. And then Jeff went out there and shot like a 140-something inch eight point. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <a> freaking monster. <laughs> and and also, I, I don't know if we went over this. I don't know if I – I think I might have found out this later, but I was hunting like all over the that deer that he shot. I mean, I was all over the thing. I was hunting the same parcel that he was and same, same woods. And I just, I didn't even know that deer was there. I didn't, I didn't, and I wasn't even seeing does or anything in there. And, uh, and Jeff went in there and, and just got it done. So taught me a lot about, you know, it's usually not the, the property's fault. It's usually your fault if you're not, uh, if you're not seeing deer. So that, but also it's probably interesting to discuss. This is something
0: I'd like to do on maybe a future topic, uh, for our episode is not falling into the idea that if you're not seeing bucks on, there's no bucks in the area. Yeah. Or mature bucks in the area. Because I think that was probably like a good case in point. Like, you weren't even seeing does. It wasn't like you were seeing a bunch of sign. Yeah. But there was a freaking stud walking around there. Along with some other really good deer, too. That just, they weren't really, you know, laying, enough, laying down enough sign that you're like, oh, there's a giant in this area.
1: Mm-hmm. I also jumped a bunch of woodcock in there. Just mm,
0: to... speak about that, uh, not to jump ahead, but my little scouting trip slash hunting trip while I was in the rain. Uh-huh. uh I'm pretty sure I flushed a woodcock on the road walking back.
1: Oh, sweet, dude. So... Well, because I'm wondering, you know, if they're starting to show up yet. Uh, you know, actually, you know quail season opens on this, Saturday? The f- no, it's the 5th. Yeah, which is Saturday. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I didn't know, and Clay texted me this morning. He's like, hey, you want to go uh, quail hunt Let, Saturday? Let's do it, I was like, I was like, quail hunt? I was like, is it freaking quail season? Because I thought it was later. It, it throws, I'm still trying to learn those seasons because woodcock doesn't come in until like Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have very long to hunt those. But anyways... um yeah, so that, that's a really good parcel, um, but the main focus, I mean, the name of the episode is Backtracking Bucks with Jeff Homan, and it's all about how he goes about um, finding deer and then backtracking them with trail cameras, you know, because if he's getting a camera if, or if he's getting a picture of the deer at 11 p.m. or 8 p.m. or 6 p.m. or just whatever, uh, he's learning something from that, and he's using that to kind of go back to where he can actually get on that deer in daylight, so that's kind of the focus of the whole episode, and Correct me if I'm wrong, but until—especially you know, in the year or two after we dropped this episode, this produced a lot of listener success stories back then. And I kind of said a little something about that in the Monday episode where uh, we didn't have that many listeners back then, but we still got a bunch of listener success stories in this episode. Yeah,
0: because this came out in 2019. Uh, and, yeah, that we had quite a few listener success stories come in where guys that specifically—it seemed like, if I remember correctly— A lot of listener success stories came from guys on hunting clubs or leases Mm. where they were like, they were running a good bit of cameras and they were able to kind of do this. Cause again, you could do it on public land, but definitely I feel like something about that that lease or hunting club, not maybe having so many people, like you may have like a decent amount of hunting pressure out there, but probably not as many guys are going to be getting out there doing like what we're talking about and what Mm -hmm. what, um, uh, Jeff's talking about. And there was a few listener success stories that came in from that. Like, Hey, you know, I did this on my club had success probably could go back and look at some old messages and try to find some of them. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely works. I mean, if, if you're willing to go out there and do what just do, and it seems like it'll work. The one thing that I think probably will get a lot of people like kind of confused or, or interested in what's going on is, you know, he's talking about like checking trail cameras and move trail cameras like every two to three
1: days. Hmm. Yeah. I, like he's staying after it out there on top of these deer. and, and that's a, that's a, another important thing is, is, Jeff is like definitely backtracking these things to like their core area. And I didn't really know this at the time. I guess it's just another way to put it, but he's backtracking them to their core area and then just hunting the edges of that core area. Like basically once you start getting those deer either, you know, ideally in daylight on camera or within 30 minutes of daylight, you know, 30 minutes before daylight or 30 minutes after dark, that's kind of the point that he actually starts hunting that deer. And he kind of dances around that. And I asked him in there, I'm like, hey, do you ever blow these things out? Do you ever, you know, burn a spot from doing that? And he's he basically just said no, because he's uh, he's basically just going and bumping through the nighttime stuff, which probably doesn't matter as much as far as, you know, scent and bumping deer goes, and, uh, and works his way into the good stuff. And then he's cautious when he gets to the good stuff, basically. And I can definitely see how that plays out, at least with that really big deer that he shot, because... Um, eventually he ended up, I think he told me like right where he shot it. And there's a certain cut kind of on the backside of this one parcel. And, uh, I could see how you could do that there. You could kind of hunt your way into this thing. And then when you got back to that spot, you can just kind of dance around that edge. And then eventually you'll kind of catch him coming out of there. And it, it, it worked for him really well on, on six bucks. You know, he, he bucked out on this place two years in a row, shot three bucks, two years in a row out there.
0: Yeah. And again, it's a parcel. It's, uh, it's a lot of pressure. It's not necessarily known for just a ton of big deer, but he always kills like really, really respectable bucks down there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting. Again, it it makes me think that, you know, if you had the time, kind of like, you know, Colton Ship, uh, who we had on, I guess, last month, um, you know, he does the same stuff. I mean, Colton Ship over in Oklahoma, he's doing the same stuff for these giant deer that he's chasing. He's checking cameras all the time, all season long, moving cameras around, kind of backtracking with the trail camera. Until he gets them in that, you know, super tight, defined core area where he's catching them on daylight during day or catching them on camera during daylight, and then goes in and kills them in the right conditions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, him, Colton Ship and Jeff Homan have some very interesting similarities between like their style of how they're running cameras. The funny thing is, not funny thing, but the interesting thing is Colton was using, I think like, I think he said like 60, 70 trail cameras, something like that. I mean, a lot of trail cameras. Where, if I remember correctly, Jeff's only talking about using, like, six or ten trail cameras.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so he's not doing it with a ton of cameras, like, really casting a huge net, but he's putting them in very strategic spots, and as he's catching that buck on camera, moving it quicker and quicker back to where that buck's coming from, specifically uh, if he's getting them on camera, you know, hour uh or to you know before daylight he's kind of moving them back to or going towards where they're going or in the evenings uh trying to move them back to where they're coming from so mm-hmm. again really interesting plus he's doing it in an area it doesn't have that region of the state doesn't have like a ton of big topography and it's a mm-hmm. lot of logging so it's like you're dealing with a ton of habitat edges you're dealing with a lot of thick cover which is super interesting as well because it's not as easy i think to kind of bottleneck those deer down to really get a super defined area of how you're going about backtracking uh, compared to yeah. if you're an area with a lot more topography and everything else.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, that actually reminds me, he did mention in there that he's not he's not a topo guy. Like he said at the time he didn't even know how to read a topo map, and he's straight up aerial imagery. That's how he does everything. And that kind of reminds me of the property we just did for the Patreon collaborator thing, mm-hmm. uh, Zach's property in South Alabama. Mm-hmm. It actually sets up pretty similar to where Jeff Homan hunts. Uh, it's really thick, real, and talking to Zach some more. It's, it's the whole property is like extremely thick. There's hills on it, but it's very much like rolling hills. There's no steep topography that's like really going to force deer movement. It just makes a suggestion, you know. Um, so, and the place that Jeff is hunting is very similar to that, and I can see why Jeff like really just kind of wouldn't pay attention to topo maps very much. And it could be just straight habitat there, and he's had good luck with that. And so I had some questions in there about um, the topography and or or the, what he's looking at or what he's looking for on aerial photos. And uh, I've actually gotten together and map scouted with Jeff a couple times, and him pointing out what he looks for was always pretty interesting. Really, it kind of came down to uh, really skinny SMZs and hard edges. Like he likes a hard edge where you got pines that go to hardwoods and it's just like bam right there there's an edge.
0: And skinny SMZs, skinny little drainages. Um and that's an interesting factor <clears throat> is those skinny SMZs or skinny drainages that's something that came into factor like when I was scouting uh, well the second day which I was I was hunting uh this new piece of public that we are we trying to dive in on um the drainage I was working up uh like, came up a big creek drainage like a really big creek drainage and then went up a kind of secondary drainage that went up a little bit higher in elevation and when it got ball when it ball neck down that's where you're starting to see a lot more sign and mm-hmm. there's switch cane thick stuff timber owl snakes too Okay, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> <old> cane <laughs> breaks um, but again like it makes sense based off like, what he's talking about is again those really small skinny SMZs that aren't very large um, it's a tighter edge that a deer kind of can run mm-hmm. compared to like a big creek bottom or something like that that might be you know 100 yards wide you know some of these drainages I'm sure what he's talking about Maybe thirty, forty yards wide, uh, like these really skinny SMZs.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. He actually said in there he likes it where it's twenty, like twenty to thirty yards wide, and uh, he said that he likes it because that part of the SMZ will actually be thicker than the pines around it, and the deer will actually cross through that little thicker section of the SMZ. And where you found that big dead seven point or six point or whatever he was, that that uh, I had on camera. Um, wasn't that spot like that? It's a skinny SMZ and you said there's some like fallen trees in there right near where you found him, and the deer were crossing like that thicker part of the SMZ. Yeah. Cause that, that, that SMZ, that drainage ditch, holler, whatever you want
0: to call it. It starts out really wide, close to the Creek and then next down pretty tight where it's yeah, 30, maybe 30, 40 yards wide. And then gets down to maybe 20 yards wide farther up into the pond. I think it goes. And then, yeah, he was just past some of that real thick stuff where the deer was dead and laying there, but all the sign was crossing much higher up in that drainage uh where it gets really skinny and it's a lot thicker like you said a lot of trees were laid down um a lot more vines green briar just overall like just a lot more canopy cover uh like sub canopy cover where everything's like five six foot off the ground like it's pretty daggum thick like if you were in a tree if you were 15 feet up in the tree and it wasn't like completely leaf off conditions you wouldn't be able to see a deer Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where the deer were super comfortable crossing at, yeah. um, compared to like closer down to the, the base of that drainage, uh, where it gets down to as a Creek where it really opens up, uh, like width wise, but also vis- visibility wise, you know, there was still a deer crossing there, but it was nothing like it was higher up in that ditch.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man, this is a, this is a fun episode. Um, that, that's pretty much what I had on it. Uh, I'll say one thing, uh, you mentioned this earlier too. Back then, man, we must have been tired recording that
0: Joker, huh? So, yeah, we so it was kind of funny. We knew a montage between that interview for me and then interview within the last year because I told you, I was listening to it, and it was just when I started my, my old job that I had been at for the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, and working, like, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And, I, um, again, you and me talked about this, like, not <laughs> long ago, but, like, it's we probably were doing that podcast pretty late at
1: night. We were probably recording that somewhere around 10 o'clock p.m. Yeah,
0: after working and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And literally, I'm listening to it. I'm like, I've never sound so tired and depressed <laughs> in my entire life. Like, listen, I was listening Where's to the it, energy, I know. I was, listen, I was listening to it. I'm like, dude, I just want to punch myself in the face, dude, listening to <laughs> myself talk. Like that. That sounds, it, I sound terrible, dude. I mean, uh, you, uh, you too, bro. We were both. Yeah, that po- was bad. It was it like was bad. low energy. Just, low energy. Just like no excitement behind it. Oh, my God. <laughs> wore out, man. Yeah. It feels terrible because like, again, if we talk to Jeff again, which I'm sure, I'm sure we will soon, um, you know, it's. You definitely would have a lot more energy in that conversation, mm-hmm. but also I think another thing we had technical issues the first time we we actually interviewed him the first uh, one time before.
1: Yeah, and we lost the episode. Yeah, like it was that. like a corrupted SD card, or and something. and so like I think that took some wind out of our sail too because you kind of knew Man, what, w- what you were going to talk about. It sucks having like a whole conversation because this has happened to us a couple times. Mm-hmm. It sucks having a whole conversation and you lose it, and you have to rehave the exact same conversation, it really takes the wind out of your sails. It does,
0: but also it takes it out of both the interviewer, us and the interviewee, because Mm -hmm. you kind of already know what they're going to say. And yeah. you're, and like, you don't ask the questions like you normally would, because mm-hmm. you're kind of like, you're almost kind of like softballing
1: them into like, yeah, you're guiding them into what you which, know that you already found, you know? And
0: it's, it's terrible. I hate when that happens. <laughs> uh, d- just absolute hate. I'm, I'm looking up there in that hill and see if there's I a know that, coming out.
1: There's a, there's a hill up above my house over here and I, I was recording the intro for this Monday episode and I was looking up there and a big old doe ran across that open field. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um. Anyway, so yeah, just we, we were super low of energy, at least for that episode. I need mean, to go back and listen to some other episodes back then uh, yep. and, and see if if that was a common trait. Because again, it was very common for us to be recording. Like it'd be a Monday episode when that would drop, and it'd be like Sunday, 10 o'clock at night, recording that sucker,
1: uh, which got old super, super quick. Oh, dude, man, I don't miss those days. Sunday night, recording it at like 9, 10 o'clock, finishing up, us BSing until midnight, and then. I go down and edit the thing and post it by like two o'clock in the morning, and then I go to bed and go go to work the next morning. <laughs> that sucked. So yeah, we've gotten a little more organized since then. Um, a little little bit more free time to do this kind of stuff since then. So it's worked out. You know, we we worked through all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Um, it's different back then, dude. It was a lot different. This is also the first episode that we did outros on. Um, which. I think it was the first episode. Uh, you
0: know, well, you, you brought it up. Are, are you leaving that in there? That, that outro? No I,
1: no, I took the outro. Okay, out. gotcha, gotcha. So if you want to hear the original outro from that episode, you can go back to episode 122 and listen to it. Uh, but there is an outro at the end of that that we recorded <laughs> at the time, and I led into it. I was so awkward. <laughs> no, you, you're like, well, guys, uh, we're going to start doing outros because intros are
0: stupid. Jake, what was your thoughts on it? Or <laughs> <laughs> something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of are, because we used to do it where we would do the typical podcaster thing that everybody was doing at the time, where you, I'm going to talk to you about 10 minutes for what you're about to listen to for the next hour and a half. Sometimes you know?
0: longer, sometimes it'd be like 15, Third, 20 30 minutes, minutes, 30
1: minutes, and then we get to the interview, I'm like, I don't care to listen to that personally, I just yeah, want to get to the interview. You like, summarize everything before you get into it, and so that's actually how the outro was born. Uh, for us at least, uh, it, it just one day I, I think I was I don't know if I was listening to us or somebody else, but I was just like, man, there's no point in what you're talking about right now. The intro that is. Well, I think it, it, we were listening to us, but also what other people doing. Everybody was do, everybody's doing
0: intros, and it's like I like intros is like the most annoying part because I would always skip through an intro to get mm-hmm. to an interview, like on another show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's just stop doing the freaking intro and we'll yeah. do an outro. And we're always
1: on the intros like. Kind of trying to talk about the stuff, but we're like, "Oh, you'll you hear about it in a minute." Yeah, yes. and, and I don't like that at all. It's like, well, I want to like talk about it and do the color commentary, break it down. You know what we like, didn't like, whatever. So uh, that that's how the outros were born. This that was the genesis of the outro. It's kind of weird. I didn't I didn't realize we'd been doing outros since twenty nineteen. That's a while. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. And for, realize and for a it. while,
0: they were the same. They were on the same like episode as the main episode. So that's why if you go back to like 2019, 2020, even kind of 2021, early 2021, before we started separating the outro, which is now the Friday Breakdown, um, it you know, it was, those episodes were easily two we hours some, long.
1: Some that are five hours long. Uh, like Troy Pottinger, we that? recorded with Troy for like three hours, then we did like a, Hour and a half outro or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was like four hours. It was it, it was, was a wild. long
1: pot. We we done some long ones before. Yeah. So yeah, if you get long road
0: trips, you can go back and listen. Yeah, yeah, to Yeah. you of those. Go back and
1: find a couple little workout for you. And it's like, oh
0: my gosh, oh my. Yeah.
1: Maybe we. We'll, I've been talking about doing playlists. I've actually been working on that for our website. I should do an, a playlist of the top five longest Southern Outdoorsman episodes. Yeah. but hey, you have a 15 hour car ride? We got you Look, go. bro, You're driving out west to go on a hunt? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's <laughs> like just listen to this. You you
0: won't not hear our voice for that whole car ride. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was a handful
0: of episodes. Um, but <laughs> but no, I mean, this is cool to find guys like Jeff. And you and me have talked about this a little bit. You know, a lot of our episodes, especially over the last year, year and a half, almost two years, we've gotten so technical with so many guests and like such specific tactics and strategies, which are freaking awesome. They're, they're, they're fun to talk about. But a lot of times, it's over so many people's heads or it overcomplicates a lot of things. And it's fun to talk to guys like Jeff who has like a method to their madness of like how they go about hunting, but it's not overly complicated. And, and that's something that, you know, really makes it kind of exciting for us, which is, you know, trying to get back down to quote unquote, some of our roots and get some of these guys on that are just mm-hmm. killers. And mm-hmm. maybe they're not doing the most elaborate thing ever, but they're just, you know, woodsmen that they're, you know, hardcore hunters. They really have a system dialed uh, and talk to them from like their mindset of instead of getting, so far in the weeds with some of our guests, which I still love doing those podcasts and we're going to have more of those for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be nice to kind of get on some of these guys over the next few weeks and and months that are just down home, you know, deep South hunters and killers that we can interview and just get little tidbits of information from uh, of what they do. And again, maybe it's not the most complicated, you know, hunting strategy ever, but it's a system that they've been able to put together to help them be extremely effective.
1: Well, that's how a lot of the more effective people who we've had on, that's, that's kind of what they're like, you know, uh, not everybody has just, like, some kind of crazy off-the-wall tactic or whatever, especially in a, in deer hunting media, I feel like, in the last couple of years. That, that kind of stuff has just been super, super popular, you know, with, like, the, the hunting beast and all these other people who have come out and kind of done these off-the-wall tactics that are, uh, like, pretty crazy compared to traditional, you know, like, whitetail know-how, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. They both have their place for sure. Uh, I, I really enjoy talking to guys like Jeff who are just straight up, you know, woodsman and he, and he knows how to get it done in his area. So, uh, we're going to have a couple more guys like him on here in the near future, but I also like doing these throwback episodes, especially these pretty early ones. Cause I mean, these are kind of like foundational episodes to what the rest of the show became. Cause we interviewed guys like Glenn Solomon and Richard fought and Jeff Homan and Adrian Farley. Um, Back then in like 2019 and we're like, we started getting the listener success stories. We started applying it ourselves and having success. And we're like, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing, you know? And, and that's kind of the identity the show's taken on for the rest of the time, really. So pretty cool stuff, man. I, I enjoyed it. It's it's fun. Um, kind of moving on. I'll say uh, we just got back from Wisconsin. We shot a whole bunch of birds, found a bunch of deer sign. It was a freaking blast. Um, and we're not going to talk about it because... Uh, we recorded an entire episode about it on the birdshot podcast with Nick Larson. If you guys are interested in that kind of thing, you get to hear about Pepper and Boone, our, our dogs, uh, how they did and everything, the dog training aspect. And it's just a, just a fun hunt, man. It was a really fun camp atmosphere. It was hilarious. Uh, I, I actually listened to the episode earlier today. It was pretty funny listening to it. So I think y'all get something out of it, but go to the birdshot podcast and go check out that episode with us. Uh, it was a really good time. Yeah. So, um, other than that, Jacob, we've had a little bit of stuff going on over here. You have found some pretty neat little spots here lately that we need to talk about.
0: Yeah. Uh, decided, you know, we, we've talked about this for a little while. I think it was like earlier this spring, uh, might have been before turkey season, and we are like, man, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of different podcasts, uh, guests over the last couple of years, years, and, and kind of like what... You know, Clifton Denny talked about a few weeks ago, um, and, you know, Richard Fox talked about and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if you want to kill big deer, you, you kind of need to go where they're, you know, potentially a little higher density and kind of get away with some guys and stuff like that. And it guys kind of thinking, like, areas that we've been hunting, there were definitely big deer there because we've seen them. We've had guys running on them, uh, and some of our buddies kill them. But we've been very interested in, in trying to expand into, like, different parts of Alabama, specifically, and, and trying some different stuff. Uh, maybe getting some areas where, you know, topography plays a little bit more of a factor compared to like where we've been uh, and stuff like that. And we decided to kind of start focusing on a couple different uh, wildlife management areas and, uh, and some, you know, just big pieces of public land. And uh, it's been interesting so far. So we did a scouting trip to one of these areas uh, this summer. Which I think we're going to do a real big hunt there this fall, which super, super excited about not to give out too many of those details, but it's going to be a really, really interesting project we're working on. Uh, But I decided to go scout another piece of public in the general area and to see what I could get into, you know, using kind of what some of our past guests that are hunting more rugged pieces of public land have talked about, especially when we are talking like, you know, um, crazier topography, steeper terrain, higher elevation, stuff like that and uh decided to go into one of these places and you know it was one of those areas that i was looking at the maps trying to figure out and you we've you know we've turkey hunted some of these areas before you know we've driven through them but never really deer hunted them uh, like, well you deer hunted one of these areas uh, yeah. a few years back but areas that are known for big deer um mm-hmm. and i decided to go in there and scout and i was looking at the maps and i was like man you know, trying to figure out like what kind of grabs my attention and, and knowing the areas and, and knowing some guys that like hunt these areas, you know, a common factor I've heard from a lot of people is like, you know, the steeper the terrain, more gnarly the terrain, the more likelihood you're going to find a big mature buck. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like in the, the forefront of my mind, looking at the maps, figuring out where I wanted to go uh, to do a big scouting trip. And I found an area that's <laughs> like a big basin. And I'm like, man, it's far from the road. It looks pretty pretty freaking rugged pretty big elevation change you know you're you're talking you know mile and a half plus to get into like one of these areas i'm like let's you know let me go and check it out and decided to go do a like a scout trip i think ended up being like four and a half almost five miles and uh let's just say it was very very productive (laughs) (laughs) um it's kind of funny because so this area um like other parts of alabama that has similar topography you know, there's there's logging that goes on, but because of the ruggedness, they only cut like certain areas uh, and they do like very specific kind of cuts. And um, going into this location, I knew there'd be some older growth timber, which if you've heard any of our podcast guests talk about, you know, if you're hunting like a more big wood setting, which, you know, we don't really talk about that term a whole bunch down yeah. here. Um, but like bigger, mature timber, it, the deer do stuff very different than what we're used to hunting pine thickets and stuff like that. Uh, and they bed different, you know, you're, they're betting mm-hmm. more than likely with more of a visual advantage, um, even potentially like a wind
1: advantage. Yeah, uh, as com- as compared to like in the cutover country that we're used to hunting, they're betting in the thicket, 20, 30, 40 yards inside of that thicket with, I think more of like a hearing advantage than anything else. And they're, they're not really trying to get on the edge and see off of it. So just like to kind of preface that uh compared to that where you're talking about in this more big wood setting where you can see a lot further, also much bigger topography, uh, they're betting where they can see a really long ways. yeah.
0: And you know, guys who we've talked to, like Shane Parker and some of these some of these other guys that we've talked to kinda kinda, of, you know, hint on that, like, hey, you know, these deer, you know, betting in some pretty rugged terrain, you know, seems like they have some kind of side advantage and decided to go into this location. It was kind of funny because going in there, you know, kind of following some creeks up and going up in elevation. Um I'm down in the bottoms. First off, probably found 15 moonshine steals, <laughs> and, and none of them were as cool as the one you got the, on your hunting club. But they were everywhere. Oh, I still got to go get that arm. Yeah, yeah, the copper arm, the I, copper arm. Some guys that leave us reviews on. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, you know, I was, I was kind of working up. It was kind of funny because I was down low, and there's a bunch of white oaks, and like all the, all the oak trees are dropping. Do you what? find feed sign? Really? Mm-mm. No, not not like not like. Good feed sign. No, 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 found turkey sign, but no, like, deer mm. feed sign. But again, you just got a bunch of white oaks are dropping down low. I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And, you know, areas that we've scattered like this, the white oaks kind of stop at a certain elevation typically. You, you kind of work your way up a big ridge system. At a certain elevation, it seems like they just stop and it goes from like white oaks to uh, what we call a mountain oaks, which is like a kind of like a chestnut oak, uh, which definitely from what I've seen what you've seen kind of we've heard from other guys or maybe a little bit less on the totem pole for like deer feeding wise yeah mm-hmm. than uh like your white oaks or even a lot of your red oaks um so I hit that certain line on like, me and there's no deer sign like I was finding a little bit of rubs but it's again open timber kind of walking uh, creek drains up like this year's rubs um I'm trying to think the, the first couple i found were, were old they were from like year year past two years past um and Kept working up in elevation, kept working up in the va- elevation, working this drainage up. And I got to this real big thermal, like uh, massive thermal hub, huge thermal hub where you had, let me think, three, um, three, maybe even four big drainages that came together at this one spot. And I got there, I'm like, dude, there's got to be a scrape. There's got to be some roads. There's got to be something right here mm-hmm. because it's like right below oh, a couple big secondary ridge points, which yeah. goes up to like the main giant ridge. And uh, I got there and I was like, I was looking around, I'm like, man there i don't see anything like, i don't see any rubs i'm looking around for
1: licking branches are you sh- pretty depressed at this point
0: no not necessarily because i was thinking they're gonna be higher in elevation anyways but i was just looking like, at I'm like this looks too good and also it was going through my mind i'm like dude this looks like a spot you would kill the crap out of some turkeys <laughs> i like, killed the crap out of some turkeys because they had those perfect little i
1: need these pins
0: oh yeah well, well hold <laughs> on they had these perfect little like n- like the uh, the little uh Ridge points are dropping down, like these perfect little flat little ridge points. And I'm like, dude, oh,
1: that's a turkey killing spot right and it's, there. And, and it's like big hardwoods, big mm.
0: pines. And I'm like, man, I'm like, there's got to be, there's gonna be turkeys in here somewhere. Like, we're gonna find turkeys. Mm-hmm. And I like came up through that little that little thermal hub, and there's like a subtle little like like a high spot next to that thermal hub. And I got up on it. The second, I got up on it. I'm like looking, and I'll say I see moving in front of me, and it was a, a group of I think it was long beards. I saw like two long beards. There's only like six of them. But mm. I only could see the two had be- like long beards on. Them. So. Two long beards, uh, two gobblers, they kind of go I was like, oh, there are some turkeys. Here. I'm like, drop a pin. Like, oh, I am going to oh. need that pin. Yep, yep, yep. But they were right there feeding that thermal hub, went up the ridge. So, again, my goal is to kind of keep following this drainage up to a lot higher elevation that start side-hilling around. And there was a couple benches I could see, like on, on X, um, had both the slope angle shade on along with the, uh, the hybrid map. And I normally pretty much only run the hybrid map when I'm out in the field because I want to see the topo lines along with the aerial imagery. And I could see that there's a couple benches up on that ridge that I really wanted to kind of work up to uh, and then kind of side hill through and just kind of check them out. Well, after those turkeys got up and they you kind of ramped the hill, you know, I'm filming everything, kind of talking about the spot. And I'm like, this looks good as a thermal hub. But I'm like, maybe during the rut you could catch a buck slipping through here like early in the morning, kind of, you know, cutting through that, falling mm-hmm. through them before he's going up to the ridge. And I start going up a little higher um, to, off the main creek drainage. And I, like, look up to my left, and I just see, and it's, like, some bigger ponds up there. And I look, look up there, and it's, like, all I could see was, like, this dark area. Like, I'm looking through the timber, and ah. typically, if you're looking through mature timber, like, everything's, like, the same shade of color. Like, you just look through it. Well, I was looking, and I'm, like, 150 yards away. I could just see this is, this is dark right there, like, right around that top one-third of this ridge. And I'm, like, huh. I'm, I'm, like, I bet you that's freaking mountain laurel, like a mountain laurel thicket. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit closer. I got, like, probably 80 yards away. I'm, like, oh, yeah. Big mountain laurel, and it's right there. That top one third is big secondary ridge point, and I'm like, man, it's looking right over that thermal hub. And I'm like, man, there's got to be a bed there. There's got to be a buck that's bedded there. So I start slipping up there, and it starts getting like real steep right that on that face of that secondary point. I get up to it, and it's big mountain laurel. I mean, dude, like the 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 uh, like the I don't know if you call it trunks of the mountain laurel. Yeah. But it's big enough like they were little trees. I mean, they were like really large, like old growth mountain laurel, and they're all growing around this rock structure. Uh, like a big kind of like, when I say big, probably 18 foot tall, probably f- 60 foot wide rock structure, this big rock kind of like, l- looks like a bluff, but it's not a bluff. Uh, cause you can walk around it and I'm getting up to it. I'm like, dude, there's gotta be, gotta be a bedroom. <laughs> it it's just speaking to me. And as I'm starting to get up a little closer to this, there, I'm starting to see trails now, deer trails that are sidehilling around that real steep face just mm, below that uh-oh. rock. I come over the top and uh, I'm looking at it. And it's, again, it's positioned perfectly at the top one third of the secondary ridge point. And the mountain laurel is like encasing this rock. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's big enough where like you can look underneath the mountain laurel. Like you can look underneath it and see the dirt and see ground and everything. And you look straight through it. But it's got all that canopy cover. So it's like it's really shaded out. And that's why it's one of the reasons it's so dark right there. I get up, get up to that rock structure, and instantly I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's two beds, and yeah. they're freaking magnums, dude." Like like what we found in the YouTube video, yeah, in just, the summer, just like the ones we found in the YouTube video, and um, it, it's two beds, and it's the same. I think it's the same buck, and I'll talk a little bit more about it. But it looks like it's, he's positioning. The beds aren't far apart. They're like one's tucked up a lot closer to the rock, and then one's just like three feet away, a little bit closer to the edge where he can like peek downhill a lot better. He can sit there and literally look down into that thermal hub. Yeah. Which is 100 yards away, and he can look all the way down into it. And, um, dude, I got up to it. I was like, oh, man, this looks good. This looks real good. And I'm looking at looking at the beds. There's hair in the beds, all fresh hair, big walled out beds. And I'm like, it looks like a buck. Probably, if this is what's going through my mind, uh, you know, potentially probably bedding there. It's cool in that spot. You know, you get the canopy cover of the mountain laurel, get that rock right there. Uh, the rock is kind of facing. I guess his back would be to the north. Um, so, technically, if you want to bed there with a, a north wind, that wind's kind of going down to that thermal hub, and he kind of see everything down there. Or if that wind's swirling, he should be able to pick up, you know, some scent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just walled-out bed. I was like, man, this looks awesome. And I did a little video there. I think I put it on the Instagram story. And I, I really wish – I always – I say this every time I go on the field. I got to buy, like, another, like, seven Tasco trail cameras. <laughs> because every time I'm just like – in the pack, I'm like, man. I should have had a truck and i didn't have one with me and i'm like i should have had a couple with me because i could have hung one up 20 yards from the bed up this tree if had a climb stick or two aimed at that spot and just you know see what's coming through that would be so fun (laughs) to to check that camera Mm, dude. or too bad you don't have cell signal right there but if you had cell signal put a cell camera that'd be so cool
1: to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast.
0: True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. It's absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far?
1: Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now and never really thought much of it. And I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50 yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke
0: and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from Lock. it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give Lock a shot this spring you could head over to TrueLockChokes.com. that's tru L-O-C-K-chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at TrueLockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give Trulock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun, and shoot with a more deadly pattern with Trulock. But anyway, it's a really interesting spot because, again, it's bedded you know, in and around this rock structure. And the rock structure kind of, it's almost like, a, it's not a cave, but it's an overhang. And he's kind of like he's got that one bed that's tucked up underneath, like right up against the rock. And it's not like he's going to hit his head, like you're not going to hit your head walking underneath it. Yeah, but I'm like, maybe like more. Uh, this is what's going through my mind. You get some more gnarly conditions, he's kind of tucked up a little bit closer to the rock, kind of getting out of those conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If it's more of a little better looking day, maybe he gets a little bit closer to the edge where he can kind of peek down the hill a lot more. Yep, uh, but anyways, it just caught my attention. I'm like, man, this looks killer. Dropped the pin, took some notes on it, and the coolest thing is. You can actually look across to the, the far ridgeline, just across that drainage, uh-huh. and you could literally set up there and look directly into the bed. Like he can see from that bed, um, he can see directly across to that other ridgeline which got me kind of thinking, I'm like, dude, I wonder if you could come over here during the muzzler season or rifle season, uh, you know, yeah. if you still use that and just bed. watch the bed. And just watch the bed from the other ridgeline and get it there super, super early um, and just be able to kind of watch it. But it's a good training feature because, again, they're funneling around this rock structure and it's, it's really tight, like it gets real steep right there. And all the trails are kind of coming around. Well, after dropping those pins, I kept kind of running up that drainage, kind of r- ran around that rock, kept running up the drainage, and uh, started finding some Uh, rubs from this year, uh, nothing super, super impressive, but you know, fresh rubs, you know, big around is like, not your wrist, but you know, but the grip of a a baseball Mm bat. Yeah. Um, and they got to a spot where it's just freaking like a, uh, how do you put it? Like a boulder field is the best way to put like a limestone boulder field Mm -hmm. where it's not like giant rocks, but it's just rocks along the super steep hillside. And it's a very large area. Yep. And I started traversing that side hill, at a pretty good elevation. Started side hilling around, um, and I was coming through. And there's a bunch of big. This is at that elevation line where it's it's mostly all the mountain oaks up there, and they're all dropping. There's there acorns everywhere on the ground. You see some, some trails, but that those rocks. There's so much rocks that like it's everything's loose. Like I'm walking through there and knocking rocks loose, and they're falling and they're like rolling downhill like 80 yards. Oh, nice. So I'm like, this is like again, it's really steep. It's really rugged. I'm like, there's got to be a bed like right here. And this is in that basin. This is at the, like, the head of that basin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, there's got to be somewhere in here a buck's bedded at. And it kept side around, kept side-hilling around. And it, I was coming back down because that, that, um, that boulder field, that rock field, whatever, was probably – and I say rock field. I mean, just like imagine h- mature timber that are kind of spread out again, there's not a tree like every 20 yards for me. It's probably every 30, 40 yards, 50 yards. Yeah. But it's just rocks everywhere on the ground. And I get over to like the edge of it and I start going downhill because I come around the basin, side hill, because I'm trying to get to that that bench. Start going downhill. And all of a sudden I look down and there's a bed right there. And I'm looking at the bed. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And it's kind of at the top of that boulder field, kind of looking down. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, this is, it's not super impressive. Like it's a good size bed. It's not ginormous, but there's poop in the bed, like clearly being used. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool dropped some pins looking around and I kept I dropped down a little bit further probably like another 20 30 40 yards down from it and I'm kind of sort side hill more and all of a sudden it just hits me I can smell like a pungent <laughs> odor and I'm like there's there's a there's either a scrape close by which mm-hmm. I'm like I don't think there's a scrape because it's too steep, it's rocky. It's, mm-hmm. There's not going to be a scrape or there's a really big mature buck bed where he's like Pissing in his bed, like yep. just like Adam Jolly talked about. Yep. Uh, I was just
1: about to bring them up from, from North the Jolly Shally. Brothers.
0: Yeah, Jolly Brothers from this summer. We did those episodes with them. Um, and he talked. They talked about that, like some of those big buck beds in that more steep terrain. If he finds a spot that he really, really likes, he's gonna, you know, he's using a ton. He's not like a bed. He's just using like once a week or once every couple of weeks. Like he's using this bed a ton. Yep. You know, he's gonna be peeing and pooping all around that bed, if not in the bed. And I can smell the odor. I'm like, oh, dude, it's close. And I'm, I'm gonna say this, you know. You know, little big boy here. got a sensitive nose, man. I, you know, dude, you, you get some chocolate chip cookies or something? You're you know, like a, a bloodhound. Bro, bro I'll, I'll, I'll come right to them cookies
1: there. But, man, it, he gets about 100 yards down one of them cookies in the window seal. <clears throat>
0: dude, it's done, bro. Done. Maybe 200
1: yards, depending on how good uh, how good the wind is. Yeah, it depends on the humidity, humidity and dew point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Pe- Pepper learned everything for me. So, oh, uh, no, but, uh, but I can smell. I was like, man, it's, it's got to be close. It's got to be within 30, 40 yards. And I start side hilling some more. And I can smell I'm like, dang, dude, it's right here. And I like look up above me and I see this big sparkleberry bush. And there's a bunch of sparkleberry out here. But it's like one of the bigger ones I've seen, again, like, bigger around your forearm. Um, and I can see it. And like there's a kind of horizontal log just off of that bush. And I can see because it's just up above me. It's like a little flat spot right there. I'm like, bed's got to be right there. Money. So, got to be right there. Go up to it, and I look, and I'm like, instantly, like, that's the bed. And you could smell it, dude. It's like someone hit you in the face, dude. It smells <laughs> just like Adam Jolly talked about, it smells like a barnyard. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, like, nasty. Just, like, Buck is spending time there yep, all the time. And it's not just, like, a bed. Like, that bed I found by the rock structure and stuff, it didn't smell at all like that. Because mm-hmm. it had the sign there. It's using it, but it's clearly not maybe a bed he's using all the time. Mm-hmm. This is a bed that this Buck's using all the the time yeah worn out and he's bedded right like he has a little rock underneath him and the beds probably three and a half four feet in length um there's a really big bed right there next to that horizontal log has that sparkle right in front of him, so it's getting some canopy cover some shade right there because again it's pretty it's oh it's really open mature timber mm-hmm. but he's bed th- that bed is located right on the edge over that rock um like boulder field stops so yep. it's still really steep right there but it's going from a transition from like super steep stuff where i'm like i mean not gonna lie i bust my butt probably three or four times crossing it like side hill yeah it goes from like that to like slightly less steep with more like leaf cover on the ground okay like leaf mm-hmm. litter um and like there's like it went from like being pretty like really open in that rock boulder field to like now there's more canopy cover mature canopy cover right here on the edge and that's where that buck's bedded at and he's bedded in a spot um, where he can look directly downhill, hundred and probably 50 yards down through that boulder field, straight downhill. He can look directly to his right as well through that boulder field, again, another 100-plus yards. And then he can kind of look down to his left a little bit, probably like 60, 80 yards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is freaking money. And the the deer is just – he's using it all the time. I mean, there's, poop, there's poop around the bed, but it's the smell this is like a barnyard. I mean, like the nastiest thing you've uh-huh. ever smelled. I might do. I I'm like again kick him. With I'm like, where where's my camera, bro? Yeah, <laughs> like, put that camera thirty four yards. You think hours. you
1: kicked him out of that bed? No, because I could.
0: I, I think I would have hurt him. Yeah, pretty sure I would have hurt him. Get up, um, and go through it because there's no way to get out of that area quietly. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, so I'm not sure I, I don't know if I kicked them out but I, I definitely didn't hear anything and there was pretty good wind cover that day um it was right before our front was pushing through and again I went into this hunt or this scout knowing we're about to get pummeled with rain mm-hmm. so i'm like I'm gonna be as invasive as possible right now yeah and ho- hopefully some a lot of this rain will just come because we're supposed to get we're supposed to get rain for like almost 30 hours hopefully it'll wash a lot of this scent potentially away yeah and i'm i'm just looking at the bed I'm like man I'm looking at his bed and I'm like, you could shoot this buck. If it was muzzler season or rifle season, you could get down below him, 100 yards below him, especially because, and funny look thing. look up there, at him. You, If he gets stood up or is coming to the bed, you should be able to get a really good visual of him. The thing is, also based off where he's bedded at, I can tell based off like kind of points of travel, he's sidehilling from the, let me try to think direction. He's coming around from the, uh, I'm trying to think here. Maybe like from the south. He's kind of coming in from the south right there, side hilling up through these benches, coming mm. to that bed. He I don't think he's coming across that rock boulder for I don't think he's definitely not going to come straight up to that spot through that rock, through the rocks. Yeah. But the hunting, if you were really kind of keen on this, because again, this place doesn't have like a, it doesn't have like a super early rut, per se, yeah for Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's getting down below them in the mornings because, again, you're going to have a super delayed ri- rise in thermals area. Yeah. And setting it below them, you know, 80, 100 yards on one of these big trees down below and look up at that bed, And it, I don't know. I think you have a decent chance. you do that when muzzleloader season comes uh, Yeah, 100%. <laughs> if we have a very, like, a light and variable. The thing is I need, like, a, a light and variable day. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need, like, really any kind of wind speed because it probably will swirl up there. Um, but I need light and variable, just thermals. And then coming from the bottom and stay super low and just where I can get to the edge of that ro- those rocks mm-hmm. and like get up in those rocks just a little bit and climb up a tree and just watch that spot. And I've got it pinned. I know the visual, what he can see and kind of where he's at and kind of where nice. to position it. I mean, it's pretty freaking sweet. But where that bed's at, it's also just directly to the, uh, I found this out after going past the bed, directly to the left-hand side of the bed, uh, close to the south. Is a, a very subtle bench that it's actually bigger than what I thought it would be, but it doesn't really, it doesn't even show up really on Onyx. Like there's a bigger bench down below him mm-hmm. where he's bedded at the edge of like a really big bench down below him, probably 150, maybe 100 yards below him, 120 yards below him is a really big bench and he's bedded right on the edge of it. So right where the edge of that bench meets the ridge, uh-huh. like the skinny part, mm-hmm. his bed is 100 plus yards up above that bench. Where the bench ends. Yeah, where the bench ends at. He's up above it, like 100-plus yards,
1: which, again, tells us. So, so he's watching the end of the bench.
0: Yeah, he can pretty much see like right at the end of the bench. So if anything's like coming through that bench and he gets neck down to cross, he's going to be able to see anything sure. right there. So
1: he's, he's watching a pinch point.
0: Yes, absolutely. Fast Plus the pinch point of like all those rock boulders and the bluffs yeah. and everything, or the, uh, like the the boulder field, kind of, again, pinches movement, I think, towards like the top of it which, again, he can see anything right there next to him, like eye level or just above. Again, really good-looking spot, dude. I mean, for a buck, like, if I was a big buck trying to like survive,
1: it's a great location because, I mean, you're going to see anything coming. So let's say uh, it's November 19th, Alabama's gun opener this year, 45-degree morning, light and variable, partly cloudy. I'll be there. What time are you getting there? Early, early as crap, probably, like, legit.
0: I was thinking about this, um, I guess that was on Sunday, Monday, or no, it was Saturday. Sunday night, I was like, man, do I want to go in there try hunting with a bow? I'm like, there's no way. There's
1: literally no way I could get close enough with a bow and do it. There's, yeah. there's just no way. Um, but with a gun, with, with shooting light being probably at that time of year around 615, 620-ish. Yeah, I,
0: I, I want to be set up like legitimately an hour and a half before daylight. Like legitimately set up, following thermal, still going back down that drainage, I'm kind of set up off that drainage. Mm-hmm. Watching that. That side of that basin right there and, and getting a visual of it. So you're there. like
1: settled in your tree bef- before five AM. Oh, easy. Like four thirty. Yeah. Like start walking at like two. <laughs> well, how long did it take you to get in there?
0: I hauled I hauled but hauled butt, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Hauled butt out there. The family
1: show, Jacob. Yeah, no, I know.
0: Um <laughs> hauled butt out of there as fast as I could, and it was still almost an hour to get out. Dang, yeah. okay. I mean, I'm talking like I was booking it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good ways in, um, there, no people sign at all. Mm -hmm. No people sign. If you,
1: if you sat there and, and you, at what time would you expect to like shoot that deer? Like daylight, like you, you do you expect it to get daylight and he is laying there, like he he has come in behind I think, you. I think, I think temperature plays a big factor because if it's like one of those mornings where it's like light and variable
0: conditions, but it's like forty degrees, maybe he's out kind of mangling around a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if it's like sixty five, yeah, at daybreak he's probably going to be potentially back in bed. I think, and of course, Pike could probably he's probably going to call me or text me. He said, "Hold on a second, dude. Let's look. Let's look at this because look at the moon yeah, phase, yeah, look my at the man. Moon. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see any other factors, but." Uh, i would expect again if it's cool if it was a colder morning potentially catching him back coming back to bed during daylight if it's kind of a more m- warmer morning uh, for that time of year again like 55 60 degrees i expect him probably be back in the bed before daylight and that's the reason why i want to set f- way far enough below him because again where i'm thinking he's coming from and i have a very good i have a pretty confident understanding of how he's getting into that bed mm-hmm. he's side hill he'll be side hilling up above me like up yeah. above me like 60 80 yards above me Mm -hmm. so as long as i'm set up i'm quiet and everything he shouldn't smell me as long as i have again falling thermals there's no wind um because again the wind would really add for like if there's any kind of wind speed over like two miles an hour it it would shoot me in the foot i think in this spot
1: do you think that uh in this spot are you going to try to relate it to maybe wind direction or something like i should hunt this like in certain conditions like he'll only be in that bed on certain conditions no because even i think on light and variable condition day
0: it sets up really really good as like an all-day bed Mm -hmm. um, because he can get up in that that super subtle bench which had some dough bedding around it Mm -hmm. um, was probably again 80 yards from and it's just barely downhill probably 30 yards downhill and then over over to his left probably 80 yards um and there is uh, a like five or six really big uh, mountain oaks. They're dropping. There's acorns everywhere. And actually, there was maybe a little bit of feed sign right there. Mm-hmm. There, there was droppings. There's some doe beds in and around underneath those um, those mountain oaks. There's a couple down trees right there, and there's beds all up and around it. So, I'm like, clearly there's some does up here, and he's kind of bedded off the fringe of them. But I think he's coming up through that secondary bench, uh, that higher bench, going directly to his bed. Um, and then um, – I'm trying to think what else you were saying. Uh, but w- with wind and stuff, I, oh, this is what I was going to get. What I was going to say, it sets up really good for like an all day bed and like afternoon bed mm-hmm. because as the sun comes over the top of that ridge, it's a kind of more of like a western facing kind of uh, drainage system and like basin. So he's going to have rising thermal. He's going to have a very, very strong rising thermal, especially with that rock boulder field right next to him. Yeah. There's so much sunlight that can penetrate through the trees because there's not a lot of tree cover there. Like there's really not, it's going to heat that rock up and it's going to have a crazy rising thermal, which I found that Mm -hmm. when I I was scouting, because when I was coming through there, it was still kind of overcast, but like every time the sun would peep out and I'm sitting there, it's like a, I mean, a rush of wind coming right up that freaking basin, Interesting, right up to that bed. Yeah. And again, like I think all those rocks right there next to them and a huge, I mean, huge area, this rock boulder field. With it heating up, it's going to have a rising. It's going to cause its own rising thermal when the sun
1: heats it up. Um, so do I, you think it's going to cause a, a rising thermal even later in the day? You know where? Oh yeah, in, up until, uh, in other areas the thermals might be falling, but those rocks have retained their heat. It seemed like because I mean I was there up
0: until I came out with a headlamp, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it was pretty much almost dark and like right around when I had to turn the headlight on or get close to putting a headlight on, uh, it had just switched. So I mean, yeah, and it, again, it was an overcast day. It was or it was like a partly cloudy day when I was in
1: there um, before that front came through. So. Very interesting. Yeah, there's spots that I killed a couple bucks like that. Um, and those two bucks I shot in the same spot mm. in that glade. That glade had a bunch of big exposed rocks, and the thermals there were always really strong. That it seemed like no matter what the wind was. The wind was always sucking out into that stuff because those those uh those rocks were so hot. Those thermals were like pulling over there to them and just rising up. Yeah, yep. and rising up. I have vultures right there, just freaking buzzards, just freaking just hanging out, them. hanging out, man. Yep, gotta catch that up. upward draft. Yep, yep.
0: But definitely, again, that's how I think this sets up really good for me. Actually, that's one reason why. Let me just say, you can't come in from the top. Yeah, I figured that out. Bad co- bad country up there. You're not coming in from the top. Yeah, gotcha. It's, it's not happening. Bluffed out. Uh yeah yeah like the gnarliest stuff I've ever seen. Oh wow, <laughs> like, dang, that's a statement right there. Yeah, like eighty plus feet of like nothing but rock. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> scary to I the need point to out. see this spot. Yeah, I'm like I don't have rappel gear and I don't have like hundred twenty feet of rope to get down. Um, so again, coming from the top is not an option. Period. It's just it's just really not. Um, so again, I don't think you can hum in the afternoons. I I really really don't. Maybe if you had one of those days where it was like super heavy, dense cloud cover, maybe you could do it, but I still wouldn't trust it. Cause again, a little bit of light comes up and those rocks heat up, it's going to be a rising thermal and he's going to bust you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, anyway, just again, just adjacent to that bed, you have that little subtle bench. There was some dough bedding there. And then when you're on that bench, that's again, 80 yards from like side hill to him. you can look down and you can see the bigger bench down below. And it's a big bench. Um, and, uh, Again, I, I went down there a little bit. I kind of side hill down, dropped down to it, and you can just see, like, all there's, – there's trails right there. Like I went from, like, very little sign coming up to, like, once I hit this spot, all the deer sign was, like, in this general area. Higher elevation up this mountain, up this, like, ridge system, and that's where all the sign was at. Again, down low, there was, like, literally nothing. Yeah. Um, other than, like, maybe, like, one fresh rub and then a bunch of, you know, sign from, like, you know,
1: past years during the rut. How close to the top was all that stuff? Mm -hmm. like three quarters way up
0: uh i'm trying to think here um there's a lot of elevation um probably close to maybe three quarters ish to the top maybe almost halfway to the top Mm -hmm. because there's a lot more elevation up above it but again it's just rock bluff like and it, I want yeah. me rock, it's not like this little 15-foot rock wall where, oh, yeah, there's bluff caps. If there's a bluff cap coming through it, <laughs> it's a mountain goat going through it. That's it. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm serious. So um, That's quite the feature. Yeah, qu- quite the feature, um, which I think makes this area so good because it really pinches down that movement. But it makes sense because the cover up there, when you get towards that 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 top spot where those benches are at, it's thicker, still open woods, but it's thicker canopy cover. Than you find in the lower elevation. There's more like sparkleberry up there and some mountain laurel. Mm-hmm. When you got lower than that bench, when you dropped off that big bench, it was just like wide open timber, like mm-hmm. wide open yep. um, as far as you can see. And again, it seems like a lot of that deer sign and the movement and what they were doing was staying up towards that topper edge uh, where those benches were at, where the thicker cover was at, thicker canopy cover, the whole nine yards. um And I'm interested how that see that plays out during the rut because when I dropped off to that big bench, again, there's just trails everywhere some feed sign um and i kind of walked that bench down and it got to a spot where it, it kind of pinched down to a uh, there's a, a ditch that like cut through that that bench dropped down elevation when i came around that bench or i came around the ditch ahead the of that ditch that bench kind of flares back out a little bit and then there's like a high knob like a knoll right there above mm-hmm. it and that's actually what i had pinned on the map was like oh, i want to get to that which is like almost like another bench that knob that little no that little knoll, this little high spot was like another bench above this bigger bench so there's like three benches all in this same area within like 150 yards of each other when i was just below that knob i'm looking and there was two really fresh really nice rubs where you can tell the deer that rubbed on him he's got some gnarly bases because he's shredded these trees it's not like mm-hmm. oh he just rubbed it and just rubbed the bark off i'm talking like grooved out shredded up kind of oh, like, yeah. pa- like paul peter talks about like a mature buck big mature buck just, you know seems like a, a common characteristic with a lot of those deer will have a more like gnarly base, like more like the, the um, spurs and stuff on the base of their antlers, which will do a lot more damage to a tree. Yep. And definitely found two rubs like that, right at the base of that, that knob, that little high spot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm like, there's going to be a bed there. Guaranteed. Guaranteed there's going to be a bed. So I run up that, I run up that ridge because it's about to get dark. And I had my handle up with me. But I'm like, I got to check it out. I run up there and uh, it's definitely thick up there. And I found a rub on a sparkleberry bush, which I have never found in my entire life. Like sparkle, yeah, I don't berry. think I have either. Sparkle bear is a pretty hard wood, mm-hmm.
1: and I which just don't like rubbing it. Well,
0: whichever buck this was, he was pissed off because he shredded <laughs> this. Uh, <sparkle laughs> he wanted berry. a challenge. Yeah, it, I mean, it was as big as around your wrist, and he just had it tore up. dude, it's like chest high. And I'm like, I'll get shields. Think about. it. <laughs> and I was looking around. And I was like, kind of walking uh, around this knob because I'm really trying to walk it. Out. It's not very big. It's probably about. It's probably. 50 maybe 20 between 30 and 50 yards wide at the very top of it mm-hmm. and it kind of flares out to the base of the rocks and uh i'm looking around and then all of a sudden i see all these hickory branches like laying everywhere on the ground like these fresh hickory branches are all broken i'm like huh this kind of looks like bear sign like oh. kind of like a bear feeding sign they're going up and they're breaking their hickory branches and feeding them and then i come up and i find a bed i'm like that is not a deer bed and i should have <laughs> took i should have took a photo of it by didn't. it was getting dark but this bed 100% it's got to be a bear bed. It was huge, dude. It was like, and it, it also, I was like, it can't be a deer bed because it's bedded like right in the middle of that knob. Like there's no side advantage. There's no, any kind of really yeah. advantage bedding there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's got to be a bear bed. And it, it was ginormous. Was, was there hair in it? I looked, I could I, it was getting dark and I didn't have my headlamp on me. I had it in my, in my face. Oh, yeah. So like, I didn't
1: look, but I'm like, dude, that's got to be a bear bed. And
0: it was, mm-hmm. it was all around
1: these hickory There's bushes. just a bear hanging out. Oh eating yeah, freaking nuts right there. Yeah, eating just nut. Just
0: have, just fattening up. Just, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, saw that and then decided to drop off the ridge and everything. I, I blew as I was coming off that bench. I started dropping off. It got real steep on the backside of that bench. Dropping off, I uh, blew one, maybe two deer out. I thought it was two, but it sounded like one running off. I, and I saw like cop movement, tail getting up and stuff down below me. There was another little shelf. Went down there, couldn't find a bed, so I don't know what it was necessarily doing, but. Uh, and then kinda hiked my way out and again it took me like an, an hour high telling back out. And then right at as I was dropping elevation, it goes from like it gets like more big woods where like I didn't really need the headlamp. It was getting like down a legal light, but you still kinda see everything. And uh got down to the creek bottom, started hiking back to the truck and I'm like, man, I need to turn my probably need to turn my headlamp on because I'm like, you know, there's a there's a good chance like there's quite a bit of snakes up here. Like just kinda where it's at. Oh yeah. Especially like timber owl snakes. I cut my headlamp on and I don't take I don't walk ten feet, dude. And I look up, and there's a four foot long timber rattlesnake slithering across, right where I'm about to step. <laughs> it's like you know, it's probably eight feet from me. And I'm like, oh god, dude. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, sucker's right there, veiled timber rattlesnake. And uh, he, I kind of let him go off, but he was going through some of this cane because I had to walk out through some some uh, switch cane. Um, and uh, definitely was on pins and needles after that. But it was, uh, anyways, got back to truck and very productive, but. It was a a very interesting scouting mission I think was a huge success Mm -hmm. and gets me more and more excited about that ridge system and trying to find, there's some other benches up there and trying to find, and trying to like check out some of those other benches and like these other terrain features up Mm -hmm. there and like other areas that like make sense to go in and hunt.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of getting close to wrapping up here. What would, do you feel like from that scouting trip, you got kind of like a, uh, a formula almost that you can apply where you're like, okay, I found the bed here. This is the kind of thing I found the deer sign in where you're going to be able to apply it throughout those mountains up there. Um, kind of replicate it. I mean, potential. I mean,
0: uh, the commonality between all the beds was bedded up against like the, some of the steepest stuff up there. I mean, that wasn't like completely rock bluffs, but mm-hmm. like where you had like on on X, uh, with the slope angle shading, <clears throat> when you have like it, all those beds were right up against like that light red color Mm -hmm. right where that light red goes to yellow or it's like dark red, light red. That's where those beds are at. And definitely, you know, paying attention to that, um, you know, when scouting other areas of like these, this piece of public and some other pieces of public that are similar to it, keying in on like those dark red areas, like those dark red and light red is like what I'm interested in. Like the yellows, Yellows are great, like uh, on the slope angle shading, but like you have to have yellow next to dark red or light red. If it's just like yellow to green, that doesn't get me excited. But like yellow to light red, I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's go spot check that and and look for potential betting locations. Getting in on that aggressive
1: terrain, my man. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I I think that uh, people are going to end up hearing a lot more about that spot because it's just the first scouting trip in there. Super, super promising so far. Uh, definitely are you gonna bow hunt in there at all like or uh, over the next couple weeks bow
0: hunted the next day uh adjacent to it not in that same area but a different part of it with that piece of public and um just got rained on got absolutely crapped on Got (laughs) crapped on for three and a half hours uh in the saddle Mm. um one
1: of those hunts
0: yeah one of those hunts uh and i I didn't go nearly as high elevation Uh, i was hunting some training features and nothing showed up um I would be, I'm interested in bow hunting it for sure. Like you got to have like the right setup. Like I don't necessarily think going in blind to one of those areas. I you may, I talked to you about this a little bit this year. I want to kind of go with the mindset and say like what we've done a lot in the past where I'm like, okay, let's kind of go in blind to an area, going off the map and just kind of hunt your way around. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But with like the time I can spend scouting, I really want to learn some areas And I already have like a pretty good understanding of like how the deer potentially are moving through and like what the features are and what it actually looks like on the ground before actually going in there and hunting. Yeah. So I want to spend some more time scouting that area and a few other areas to like have a really good understanding of like, okay, where are some spots that you can come in bow hunt pretty effectively. And then where are some spots that maybe we we kind of hold out until, you know, rifle season or muzzleloader season Mm -hmm. to try to make something
1: happen. Yeah. And just kind of build on a spot throughout the, throughout the whole season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense to me, dude. Um, well, cool. Uh, we're sitting right here in an hour. Uh, we got a couple more podcasts that we're recording this week that we're pretty excited about. So everybody make sure they're tuned in for all those. Uh, we got, we got a lot of exciting content planned. I'm, I'm really excited for kind of what we alluded to earlier. We, we got kind of a big project in the works that I think y'all are going to very much enjoy, but we're not going to say too much about it right now. Um, Jacob, you got anything else? No, uh, got a couple new reviews I was going to read real quick. Um, appreciate everybody's
0: leaving us reviews on itunes or apple podcast we're about to hit a thousand yeah we're getting close we're at 951 reviews by the time uh reading this uh we're trying to hit a thousand hopefully by the end of the year so you know if you're new listening to the podcast or maybe you've listening to it a long time and you really just enjoy the show go leave us a five-star review on itunes or apple podcast which per our analytics i think like 76 percent of you guys listen on apple mm-hmm. um anyways um uh, I got two new reviews. This is from Bama Allen, uh, titled "Bama Boys Five Stars." As someone who hunt, uh, let me talk. <laughs> as someone who hunted as a kid, on and off with my granddad and my stepdad, when they wanted to take me, but didn't get into hunting really until I was adult. It's great to find resources like the Southern Outdoorsman to learn from the science behind hunting. So many great things so many great things learned from this podcast that I've been put or that I've put to use. And if, <laughs> <laughs> and if I bag a big deer this year or when I bag a big deer this year, I'll post it on Instagram and tag you boys in it because you guys have been a big help this year. So appreciate that Bam Allen. Nice. Then the old thicket cricket. Has oh, he's over. back. He, he's written back. This is pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. <clears throat> old thicket cricket. Uh, five-star review uh, titled, Just a Heads Up. The old cricket done moved to Mississippi. If y'all's target bucks stop showing up on camera, just blame it on the chirp. (laughs) Hashtag 601
1: coming to get your deer. (laughs) Nice, dude. So he's down in the SIP. The SIP better watch out, man. The cricket's after him now. (laughs) (laughs) I think he might have messaged us the other day. I think he might have shot something. His son shot something, maybe? I don't know. Forgive me if I'm... Saying that wrong I did see a message Come through I think it might have Been on Facebook Facebook freaking Like kicked me out Of our page And I've been trying To get logged in So I haven't been able To look at any Facebook messages To the Southern Outdoorsman I don't know if I don't know if it Did the same thing To you But I'm like Kicked out So I gotta figure That out Which I don't know If anybody's ever Dealt with Facebook Support for businesses But it is It would be more Productive for me To sit here And talk to this wall Than try to go Through their Freaking all their Little channels So anyways uh, I digress. You want to plug Patreon? Plug anything we got going on there? Uh, New Zoom room meetings? What you, what you getting here? Yes, sir. So, Patreon. Everyone uh, stay tuned on Patreon for our next Zoom room, which we're going to be announcing here pretty soon. Working on a guest for that. Uh, also, we got the collaborator tier, which we've been mentioning on a couple past outros. That is where you can get uh map scouting. Uh, basically, a map scouting session with Jacob and I. We make you a, a personal video. Uh, they typically end up being about an hour long, so you definitely... Uh, get your money's worth out of that. Um, we go over your property and drop a bunch of pins and send all the pins over to you, and and then do a video explaining why we dropped the pins where and how it relates to different guests that we've talked to and everything. And and this is you know your property, so then uh, we we'll hop on a call with you and discuss all of it. So it's it's really a fun tier for us. I mean, I really enjoy doing those. They're they're a lot of fun. Uh, so, definitely appreciate those of you who've already jumped on that tier. Um, and uh, yeah, highly encourage y'all to check it out if you're interested in some map scouting stuff. Other than that, we just got some other bonus content on Patreon. All the GPS study videos are still on there from last season. So, those are go, you can uh, go and find those pretty easily on our Patreon. Uh, you can just go and basically search GPS studies, or I actually think it's a category of video that you can like filter to. And uh, you can see all those GPS studies that we did on GPS collar deer in the state of Alabama last year. So all those videos. So uh, y'all definitely go check that out. Um, But. I got nothing else. You, you got anything else? Nope, nothing. Just go over to patreon.com forward slash
0: the Southern Outdoorsman. Appreciate everybody's uh, feedback. Appreciate all the new listener success stories coming in. We got some listeners knocking down some absolute giant here. Uh, so, again, love seeing that coming in. Uh, you can, again, submit your listener success stories on our website, which, Andrew, there's a form there. You uh, know mm-hmm. they can kind of go and fill out at the southernoutdoorsman.com for your listener success story. Add some photos on there. Again, i uh, love to kind of see some of that stuff being submitted. So uh, other than that, guys, we'll catch you back here on next week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
1: Need to be. If you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It is an excellent group of people that are going to be there. A lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there. You're going to get to talk to them, shake their hand, learn from them in person, make some connections. And guys, we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should I get? Which tree stand should I get? What about this piece of gear? What about that piece of gear? How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.